Were those new characters, maybe? No, new talent. I saw Wonder Woman and, like... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> <How> was that? <laughs> okay, first of all, is that a thing DC has done before, this new talent they, showcase? They, is that, like, a monthly title of theirs? No, yes. that's, like, like... They do that, like... I don't think it's every quarter, but it's... Okay. They, they do it every once in a while. It might be every year. Is that, like, new talent, like, relative to, like, Jim Lee, who's been there for, like, 15, 20 years? Or, like, relative to, like, Jeff Johns? Because, yeah, that's all, you know, not, I don't want to say stale, but it's aged talent. It's it's definitely not new talent that yeah. needs to be showcased. Yeah, there's Well, a, it is a relative term. Maybe it's the newest talent. New talent featuring a story by the guy who's written Batman for okay. the last seven years. Tom King has been there for a shorter amount of time, so well, <laughs> maybe uh, who's drawing that? Um, what was Klaus it? Jansen. Yeah, uh, is he new? And Andy Klaus Kieber. Jensen, man, was working with Frank Miller, dude. Okay, so <laughs> so in that case, Tom King would be the new one. But Tom King's not. <laughs> Tom King is an example of someone off the top of my head who is newer than Scott Snyder, and I'm sure there's several others who just aren't yeah. coming to mind at the moment. Fair enough. It, that's a perplexing <laughs> group maybe to put on the just, new talent book. Maybe they just discovered new talents. Maybe there's pictures in the back Did of they them. They just doing now realize that these people worked for them? <laughs> Could be. I mean. Is this the I, first time they put out that book in 10 years? I, I, I understand that uh, sometimes they, they have their cranium. Yeah, stuck in various orifices. Uh, <laughs> nonsense. Sheer nonsense. Speaking of sheer nonsense, welcome to Geeks of the Square Table, episode 180. Perhaps the most accurate segue we've ever put on the show. <laughs> I'm your host, Lawrence of America, and today with me is... Adam. And Taylor. Woo! That was exciting. Yeah. We're an exciting bunch. I mean, we're just flying by the seat of our pants here, man. It's I know, I know. I hope you were listening nope. at home we're on the edge of your seat. No, edge need, of your seat, because we certainly are. We're, we're so exciting. Edge of your seat. <laughs> we're so exciting. I think I think this show needs a soundboard. I think that's what we need. We had that sound app thing for a while. Oh, I've got that thing over there somewhere. Yeah. Well, um... Z- I need to bring back the zany sound so effect. So zany. I mean, maybe next time, but, you know, it's all the way over there. It is. We just now got comfortable. Fair we're enough. on the edge of our seats. Yes, and we're nothing if not lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of lazy, do we want to talk about the Justice League movie? I don't think it was lazy. Well, I think it was a just a huge clusterfuck of ideas and influences now, okay, before we just dump all over it, it was pretty solid. It was, it was, I, I'm not, by what standard? I'm not going to call it solid. I'm going to say that it was an okay movie. It reminded me the most of, like, X Men Apocalypse, where 
technically, okay. it is yeah. a fine movie. That is a very well, I give comparison. Will I give a shit about it in a month? No. That is a very, very fair comparison. Uh, both of them are resoundingly meh. They're fine, but they're pretty forgettable. Yeah. Um, which is more okay for X-Men Apocalypse being just like the like umpteenth X-Men movie than it is for what should have been the flagship movie for DC's uh, imitation game here. But honestly, I will say that it being okay is a win compared to what I they had the expectations that I had they had drugged so. themselves up to okay yeah it's still it, that is still exceeds expectations it is the national one of those they thought they had a like a huge yeah. mega hit it is indisputably it the second best DC movie <laughs> Which is damn not with counting things. animated features. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. oh, DC's got some pretty kick-ass animated features, but um, the movie, you know, most of it I feel like was apologies for their previous movies. Well, like, so it's it's a weird movie because it's very schizophrenic. Yeah. You know, it was directed by both Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder, and you can tell what scenes. Joss Whedon directed. Uh, what did uh, Nathan Fillion show up in the movie? Not no, but you know, you, you can tell from the humor. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of slapstick humor involving the Flash that uh, I, I highly doubt Zack Snyder put in there. That being said. I do feel as though they at least acknowledged fan criticisms. They had Superman more on character. Um, I guess they. It wasn't so self-obsessed with its own like gravitas. It, it got out of its own way enough for it to have a functioning plot. That being said, you're right that. It left almost no impact. Um, the unavoidable comparison to the Avengers does make it really pale, though. Well, yeah. Well, it's. Oh, I mean, this movie was never going to be like the huge watershed moment that the Avengers was. I mean, even today when I watch the Avengers, I still get chills when I see, when you get that when you get to that scene where they finally are all together and it does that yeah. whole panoramic view. I mean, that still still gives me chills to this day. And Justice League was never going to do that. Yeah. Well, Justice League ha- gave itself a lot of disadvantages. The way that they introduced half of the Justice League in this one movie meant that there wasn't as much of an impact like seeing them all come together. Well, to their um, to their to their defense though. I mean, do you really need all that much of an introduction to these characters? No. It's not it's not like the Avengers where who the hell is Hawkeye? I mean, it's like the Flash. He runs Okay, fast. who the hell is Cyborg? He's a walking computer. I'm just saying like <laughs> Maybe people like walking computers slash diversity higher. 
people know who Aquaman is. People know who Flash is. Like, at least, like, probably have heard the name. If nothing else, because of the CW show, people know who the Flash is. And Aquaman is, like, a decades-old punchline, so... Um, Dude can swim fast. Talks to fish. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, but most people aren't probably going to know who, like, Cyborg is. In the same way that most of the public before these movies would have had no idea who Thor is, probably. Right. But, yeah, it just, if nothing else, it gave them a lot of ground to make up at the beginning of the movie when we have to go do the introduction scenes for all of them. Alright, well, yeah. But, well, probably the biggest thing, though, is just the utterly forgettable villain. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've definitely noticed this, uh, this trend with DC movies where, you know, they have an entirely CG created villain, whether it's Doomsday, Ares, or. Steppenwolf here. Or what's his name from Suicide Squad? His or name I did not remember until I Incubus had to look yeah. from Suicide Squad. Uh, who are just completely forgettable and like honestly they're they're worse than a lot of the Marvel villains who aren't that great themselves. Well the Marvel the villains I feel like that people like the popular thing to do. I think now is to dump on the Marvel villains because no, they don't spend a lot of time developing their villains no. because that's not the point. But Steppenwolf was barely a step up from Incubus, and Incubus sucked. Well, I think Steppenwolf was a step up because a he actually talked. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they said his name out loud. Well, they said his name out loud, which, which, is, oh, which is always a huge step up. It's something you normally wouldn't expect, I'd have to point out in a movie, but no, they never did, I think, say his name out loud in the Suicide Squad movie. Unless it was like part of like the gibberish montage of their like forgotten language or whatever. It probably was. Yeah. But... Another way it compares unfavorably to Avengers is that... One of the things I like about Avengers 1, especially, is that they gave everyone something to do. They're in a situation where the really powerful people like Thor or the Hulk or to a lesser extent Iron Man can't just solve the problem themselves, but at the same time, Black Widow, Hawkeye have things that they can contribute I thought they did a great job balancing that. In this movie, the fight is over the second Superman shows up. <laughs> the rest of them might as well have gone home at that point. Yeah. Yeah, well... Yeah, you're right. But honestly, in the Avengers, the fight was over the second the Hulk showed up. To some extent, but... They did a better job showing, you know all of them contributing in their own way. Black Widow was the one who figured out how to stop the sky portal. Um, uh, Thor and the Hulk were busy running around killing the monsters. Uh, Captain America was, you know, calling the shots in the field and also protecting civilians. Hawkeye was their vantage guy. Iron Man was running tech solutions and also flying around, you know, killing aliens. It felt as though they were all needed to do what they had to do. Right. Which, yeah, Thor or Hulk are strong enough to just wreck most of the people there themselves, sure. But it felt as though all hands were needed. 
here it's like Superman never even felt really like he just shows up and he's just like super casual about kicking the shit out of Steppenwolf. <laughs> uh, he's like he shows up, he cracks some jokes. He's like, oh wait, what? While you guys are handling this guy, I could kill right now. I'm gonna go help Flash real quick. Be right back. Be Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it didn't balance it as well. That's fine. Uh, Which I understand Superman more so than most of the other characters is hard to balance on a team. Superman is ridiculously OP. Not only because he's super duper strong, but because he can be everywhere at once, effectively. But I did enjoy seeing it. Like I don't regret oh, it. I don't regret seeing yeah. it. It was fun while I was watching it. I it, might even check it out again on Netflix. Right. You know, it was it was fine. If it's on TV, I'd watch it. Yeah. But it was not the movie that Warner Brothers wanted it to be. No. And it was it's not on it's not the movie it should be. No. To give some context, they opened at I think ninety four million dollars. Yeah, ninety four million dollars. That's less than the Avengers second weekend. But but as of this week second weekend. Yeah, I know. But as of this week, that it has reached the 500 million mark. I heard it did do a lot better worldwide. It does do better. Did do better worldwide, and it didn't. It didn't tank in the second week like no. Batman versus. No, no, you know that's you know credit where credit is due. Um, this one did not get the damning word of mouth. That's true. No, but it made less than Iron Man one before accounting for inflation. Yeah. Which was about nine years ago now, right? And I would say if they didn't already have Aquaman already made, you know, the DC Extended Universe might be in some trouble, but... Yeah. Um, there is some legit concern that do they just go back to the drawing board at this point? Well, it's kind of hard to when they've, they're already... They're already done with Aquaman. Yeah. They're in pre-production with Wonder Woman, who is Wonder Woman 2, which is the only hit out Well, of see, that's the other big thing. Is like they do have a reason to continue that uh, exactly. franchise. Um, I feel like that the movie would actually works better if you haven't seen Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman, because then you don't get the whole jarring, like, since when is Superman a beacon of hope? Like, they treat, like... The Superman that was presented in this movie was clearly not the Superman from the previous oh, movie. no. Uh, His reputation felt unearned. It's a, ver- a very weird thing in Justice League where they, they, they act like things that happened in Batman versus Superman just didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, they act like Superman this whole time has been this great I mean, shining thing, and he's, he's not. No, and you know they, what? Though they don't even reference a lot of plot points from Batman versus Superman. Like that nightmare doesn't yeah. come into play at all. Yeah, what the, the thing was even more of a waste of time. <laughs> but well, maybe yeah. they're just trying to ignore those things to make them go away. Well, that's exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah, which I honestly can't even blame them for. And I will say that this was. 
This was by far the best depiction of Superman that they've tried so far. Or, or Weird that. CGI, lack of mustache, notwithstanding. Or, or Flash showing up in Batman vs. Superman. That didn't happen at all. I guess not. Did it actually happen? I don't even know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, even in Batman vs. Superman, what was the, that was like a fucking dream sequence thing he was having within a dream sequence thing he was having. I mean, I, I can tell in Justice League where that was supposed to happen. I mean, he, he yeah. shows up telling Batman that Lois Lane's the key, and I assume he's talking about... Like, getting Superman not murderous? Not being a dick, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, I did, like, that fight between the Justice League and Superman was a good watch-it-on-YouTube fight. Right. But, yeah. Alright. So I guess that's enough uh, dumping on Justice League for now. Which, again, if you can see it in a matinee, it, you know, it's, it's worth it's, watching. It's, it's worth a watch. I would honestly recommend wait for it to come on Netflix, but yeah. you know, give, it, give it a watch. It's Which, it might still come on Netflix, unlike uh, Avengers. True. Yeah. Well, yeah. Netflix. Did you, you see Punisher yet? I've seen the first three episodes. I'm liking it so far. It... it it's a little draggy towards the middle, ah, but damn. But the last four episodes are tense. Oh, okay. it gets it gets so it just, gets brutal. I just got to get through it. Yeah. Although at the moment I'm a little I'm a little lost by the levels of conspiracy about what happened to there's, Frank's family. So there's there's a huge level of conspiracy, which is kind of part of the problem where it's like they're trying to figure out. I feel like they had resolved it well enough in Daredevil season two. Exactly, and they get to the point where they're trying to figure out who. Who's, who's, you know, up top of this conspiracy that they don't really spend enough time developing the villain like all the other Netflix shows do. Mm. So it doesn't really have the, uh, I don't know, the driving force that yeah. the other ones do until it gets to the very end. That is a bit of a shame because the Netflix villains have probably been the MCU's best villains right. overall. I mean, Kingpin was probably my favorite part of Daredevil. Oh, he's by far the best part of Daredevil. Um uh, Cottonmouth was my favorite part of Luke Cage. Um, Purple Man was one of the scariest motherfucking villains I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah. Purple Man? Purple Man. Oh, well, they don't actually call him Purple Man in Disney Jones, but that's the character's name in the comics. Which I understand them not wanting to use because that is an objectively stupid name, but... Oh, well, they do have the origin in the Punisher of a villain who I I think could become a very interesting villain okay. in future seasons. Okay, so oh, looking forward to that. You don't want to spoil that for Taylor. No, I appreciate. I don't. That. I don't want to actively spoil it for him. I appreciate that. All right, so let's talk about the big news of the week. Um, Avengers: Infinity War dropped their trailer, which is definitely more important than whatever else you were just thinking about. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, Gomer Pyle, local oh, well, hero, passed away. I didn't know he was local. Well, he lived up in Winehouse for a long time. Oh, wow. Hmm. But he was actually from Atlanta or somewhere. So he wasn't... Yeah, but... Okay. Well, that is that is a shame. I feel like that was more of a final thought no, comment, I'm but sorry. in fact, I probably was going to use uh, that. My apologies. <laughs> I'm... It was the guy who plays Ernest that lived up in White House. Oh, and he died like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a long time ago. 
But he was from He was local-ish I suppose <laughs> I'll take your word for <laughs> local-ish. it Local-ish Anyway Avengers Shadow um, <laughs> was pretty kick-ass But that probably goes without saying Because Marvel has Really mastered the whole Hype building trailer art form They're just a machine at this point man It's yeah. crazy it is. Um, I had forgotten it was coming out as early as May. I thought it was going to be like June or July next year. Yeah, May May seems very close. Yeah. So we are six months out from the movie, and this is one that they've been building to for quite a damn while. Well, yeah, this is the culmination. Well, it's not necessarily the culmination. I, I would assume Avengers 4 is the true culmination of, well, yeah. of everything. This but is the one, though, where all the heroes are going to be on the screen together for the first time. Like exactly. All the different franchises. Um, and we get Thanos actually do something. Yeah, and I I really dug his dialogue in that trailer. Like, <laughs> I feel like they really captured he, like Thanos. Like he's this it, hyper-imposing threat, but he's like your thinking man. He's still articulate. Yeah. yeah, they they might actually get the full CGI villain right for once. Yeah, is. Is Josh Brolin doing like motion capture for that? Yeah, he did. Or? He did the motion okay. capture for it. Okay. Well, Marvel's gotten they've demonstrated quite a lot of skill at that with things like Mark Ruffalo and uh, mm-hmm. Ultron. Ultron. Well, yeah, Ultron was fine. Ultron was fine. Yeah. And a lot of people shit on Ultron, but I, I didn't have that big of a problem with him. Yeah. But damn, I'm really looking forward to this next one. Um, all the dialogue seemed on point. Like the whole like. Uh, Evacuate the city, scramble our defenses, and get this man a shield. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But I feel like they're really wanting us to think, and they probably will go through with it, that they are going to kill people left and right. Or at least a few major characters. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends with Thanos killing everyone. You know, well, not, not necessarily killing everyone, but he's he's got to get the entire Infinity Gauntlet by the end, and he has to, that's he, probably how the movie ends: is him completing the gauntlet, completing the gauntlet, and then just wiping the board. Yeah, um, my bet is on Cap because we do see like that scene with Iron Man having like his emotional breakdown at the beginning of the trailer, and so that's got to be for someone who died. You have to figure. And he probably would only react that way if it was a member of the Avengers, or maybe Spider-Man, or uh, which surely they're not going to do Spider-Man. They no, they won't do Spider-Man. They started that franchise. Yeah, they just started that franchise, and, and, and you know, Spider-Man's got to be. They're not going to kill their most profitable character, right? And, and Spider-Man's got to be the guy who sort of takes the reins from. Yeah, he's got to be next generation, right? Like they got a lot of mileage to get out of Spider-Man at this point, so. It could be Pepper, conceivably. Could be Pepper. Although, what the hell is she even doing there, if that is the case? She should be, like, on the other end of the planet. Oh, no. We found the sound effects. Oh, crap. We found the sound effects. So, turns out, Larry's not quite as lazy as the rest of us. But the real best part of this trailer, though, is Iron Man getting knocked the fuck out, I think. Yeah. Well, apparently Thanos is just wrecking fools left and right. I mean, uh... (laughs) Ruffalo is lying in a crater when we first see him. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the ship full of dead as guardians that Loki was walking through. Um, yeah, things. Well, I imagine. I imagine. Uh, spoiler alert! But 
Thor Ragnarok ends with uh, Thor's ship getting met by another ship. That has to be Thanos' ship. It must be, especially since the only movie between now and Infinity War is uh, Black Panther, and clearly that's not going to talk about And and the reason why Thor is just floating through space and runs into the Guardians of the Galaxy is because Thanos destroys his ship. He went on the ship, he took the... um, the cosmic cube, whatever right. they call it, Tesseract. And um, he already has the one from the Nova Corps, it seems. Um, he, We see them plucking it out of the Vision's forehead, which, incidentally, yeah, he's fucked. Uh, I so imagine once they plucked that, he's, he's toast. God. The <laughs> scepter that was being used to pull it out, I think, was uh, Corvus Glaive's spear from the... And then we saw Proxima Midnight, I'm pretty sure was the one hurling a uh, trident or whatever that was. At, I think that was Cap catching the spear? I don't know. Someone, some shadowy figure, probably Captain America, I don't know, catching the spear. So, yeah, it looks like Thanos has at le- probably just those two, I'm guessing, since they're the more recognizable ones from the Black Order. Plus so the two that have the actual relationship with each other. So, yeah. So you'll actually be able to get some interplay between them. I mean, the other... Four are characters that they're fine. Got minimal character development in the one story arc that I can remember them appearing in. Right. So yeah, I mean, just use the ones people might actually recognize if they read the comics. But but yeah, things look dire as shit, and it's the one where they lose. Yeah. It's gotta yep. be. Yep. I am at maximum hype for Infinity War. So, everybody dies, and the next one, they beat him, take the time gem, and undo it all, and the first movie is pointless. Larry, go into the back room there and fuck yourself very hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Are you mad because that's an accurate statement? No, it's not accurate. They're not going to do it like that. Why? I have complete. could do it. I could easily. I very much doubt it. First but of all, they're not going to kill everyone. They're probably going to kill like a handful of characters that we actually care about. There's got to be people left over to fight, and they're not going to introduce an entirely new cast to fight them in Avengers 4. They're probably going to kill either Cap or Iron Man, maybe both, but probably not the whole roster. That would be a silly move on their part. Secondly, Kevin Feige and all the people running the show who have demonstrated really strong storytelling instincts surely would not go with such a blatant deus ex machina to cap off this thing that they spent over a decade doing at this point. That's just inconceivable to me. So, no, I don't think that's even a remote possibility of them doing something that's unsatisfying to end off the whole thing. Because they've never spent way too long building up something that we all know is going to happen and then it just happens. I honestly can't think of anything. I hear people complain about it all the time. Specific example? Uh, who is Red Hulk? <laughs> who gives a flying fuck about that? We're talking about uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Oh, Wolverine's dead. Yeah, I'm talking comics. That's dude. We're not talking comics. All- we're not. We're talking about these movies. I feel like we have to separate those fears right now because. They're clearly not telling a one-for-one retelling of the comics, for one thing. And also, it's in different people involved. Fair enough. 
So, okay, yeah, the Red Hulk example is a great... That would be really unsatisfying. That's an example of one where people knew it from issue one, pretty much, but they milked it and did, like, counterfeints and, like, fake-outs and things like that to try to do deflect from the obvious answer, only to go back to the obvious answer. Yes, that would be an incredibly lame formula for them to follow. But I don't think that they will. Yeah, the vision, they could easily ride him back to life in another way other than Well, theoretically I guess a time gem. Yeah, I guess theoretically they could like get the mind gem back at the end and like put it in another body. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, that was pretty much the what happened with Doctor Strange. Everybody died. Well, let me back this up and try again. So, we know they, they've used that ploy in a, a movie before. I think they used it as well as they could have in Doctor Strange, where he... It was actually kind of clever in yeah, Doctor I thought Strange so, yeah. when they used it. He used it to trap a villain who just completely outclassed him. Right, it... He outsmarted the villain. Yeah. Which, yeah, if you, if you have to introduce a time-traveling mechanic, which they kind of did because they had to get the time gem in there somewhere, um, and that's the one to go with, I guess. Incidentally, what the hell is the soul gem going to do? But you gotta have them all for the gauntlet. Yeah. Well, the most, the one that they have changed most blatantly is the reality gem because I think that's supposed to be the ether from Dark World, which a thing that lets you just rewrite reality on a whim, yeah, you really can't run with that. So they just made it where it's like the fundamental essence of the universe itself, like, condensed into an ingot. So, yeah, that's a solid way to explain that away. But... If they end up killing one of the main characters, like Spider-Man, Cap, Iron Man... Iron Man, maybe. I could see them killing and keeping Iron Man dead. That would let them introduce, uh, you know, or make room for possibly Ironheart. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... That's a good reason why Cap or Iron Man are probably smart choices here. A, there'd be a big emotional impact to doing that. B, those are both actors who probably are ready to move on to other pro- other projects by now. And C, those are both characters who have legacy characters who could step into the role. Right. You could have <laughs> Sam be Captain America. You could have Bucky be Captain America. And you're right, there's a number of people who could step up and be Iron Man. Or Ironheart yeah. or whatever they run with. Well, right. I mean, I... Well, Spider-Man is the, for me, is the obvious replacement for Iron Man in the MCU. You don't you don't have to have like a direct legacy character, right? Yeah. But um, you know, so one that Spider-Man takes the the, the role, but you know, they can they've got a legacy character that's fairly popular that they can carry over, and people aren't going to say, "Oh, well, this isn't like the comics." Because there's not enough backstory on the character. Yeah. Um, that is true. If they did go with Ironheart, they would have... They'd be using material that by then would be, what, like four years old? Something like that. Um, so I think whether they completely reverse everything, it just depends on who they kill. If they kill... I really can't see them doing that. 
Depending on who they kill, I think they'll just wipe it away. I got faith that they won't. Although, I guess, you know, uh, I mean, Vision had a good run that was real popular in the comics, and there were some good stories, but... Now, I mean, I don't know how you translate that into the movies now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're taking the parts of the vision that are probably the most iconic parts of his character, his relationship with Scarlet Witch, um, him, like, being, like, the creation of a creation of theirs, like, with Ultron and everything, and they've already run with that. I'm not sure what else... I can't think of any other iconic vision stories you even can tell, because Avengers, more than most of these characters, the vision's main identity is him as an Avenger. Right. Him being on the team is most of the character's actual run in the comics. Right. And, yeah, and like, uh, the one I was thinking of is is the the visions family? Oh, uh, you know, the Tom I, King story. Yeah, I yeah, they definitely couldn't do that. They couldn't yeah, do that. Um, yeah, so I I couldn't I mean, see that. Could. Trans- I would watch the shit out of it. I, I couldn't see it translating well. It would, yeah, I could see that more as a TV show. Like if they did that on that Netflix. could work as a Netflix oh, TV show. Oh, whatever Disney's thing is going to be called. Apparently, right. I should say. Well, see, that's the thing that Disney's fighting here is when I say streaming service, I usually just use the word Netflix. They have become like Google or Facebook in that they are synonymous with what type of website that is. There's me, uh, uh, there's John Oliver episode, and he said a line I really like, Bing, the best way to Google something. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what it was, but someone was saying something like, I'm not entirely sure that Bing is a thing. I mean, I could Google it, but that's kind of the whole point I'm making in the first place, isn't it? The only way to find out if Bing is a thing is to Google it. Uh, remember Ask Jeeves? I do remember Ask Jeeves. I do remember Ask Jeeves, yeah. Uh, there was another one, like Fido or something, for a I while. I don't know that one. I vaguely remember that one. I just remember they had a commercial like you'd you'd type in a question and Fido would go fetch the answer. Yeah. <laughs> that okay. was the, that, that was his whole the whole shtick. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, uh it's been long enough. I think we're safe on the uh the Thor spoilers. I did see Thor. Um I'm glad. Uh I did think it was a decent movie. Uh but whereas you now you're talking about Justice League uh, exceeding expectations, I don't think this met expectations. Well, to clarify, Thor was definitely a much much better movie than Justice League. Well, and yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying uh, I thought it was a little bit of a subpar showing for Mar- a Marvel movie. I would put it in the top half, but not the top five. It was a whole lot of fun, but it did lack the substance and the heart that sets apart movies like, say, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, or, it, uh, it didn't have much gravitas to it at all. Even in moments when it really should have, yeah. it couldn't get out of the way of telling jokes, you're right. And that, that was yeah, the point I was making earlier. It, it seemed to tell too many jokes, so I was always expecting a joke, 
and that just killed the timing of all the jokes for me. So some of the jokes that would have been funny uh, for me would have been a lot funnier if they hadn't been immediately followed in or immediately followed two other jokes. Like the whole, uh, there had been uh, there was a scene where whole or uh, Bruce Banner jumped out of the plane, and naturally you would assume that he'd be Hulk when he landed. When he lands on the bridge, he's just Bruce Banner. Well, I knew exactly that was going to happen. The in fact, I was surprised that the dog didn't take a leak on him because that was the only thing missing. Because the dog then stopped, looked at him, sniffed on him. And, and yeah, all you just need to see is for the dog to start to ha- hike his leg, and it, then it cut the other way to these people going, ah, oh, you know, because that there was a lot of stuff that it it did that kind of cut away and ah, uh, yeah. But the other thing, um, the opening fight scene was cool, but it very much reminded me like a, an eighties heavy, hair band heavy metal music video. Um, What's that, wrong with that? Uh, I just thought they overused uh, Immigrant Song. Um, it probably would have been more effective if they had just used it one time or the other, I guess. Right. Yeah. They used it, like, on you know every they, fight scene, it you seems. You know what they should have used when um, at the end when Thor was, like, getting into, like, lightning mode? I feel like they should have used Thunderstruck. Like, he, he, uh, yeah, he even yeah. has, that, like, that build-up at the beginning, like, no, 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 no. Like they could have done that while he was like but, still in like knockout mode. But ACDC's Iron Man's thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they can both can't, have can't, a thing. Can't steal his shtick, okay? But uh, <laughs> ACDC belongs to everyone, man. Now, some a lot of the background scenes, uh, they stole or didn't necessarily steal because it wasn't original to Stranger Things. But some of their techno theme music. Is the same music in the background? There was definitely from the a, intro. There's definitely a strong '80s vibe to it. Right. So I, I I recognized. Oh, that's the intro. The intro to Stranger Things, and it took me out of the movie. And they used that several times. So, uh, yeah, and I really enjoyed the intro, but. The fact that they did a lot of the same tricks in the other fights took away from the other fights. Now, yeah. um, well, so I don't know. I uh, I wasn't as impressed with it as the other people around me were, but it was okay. Uh, yeah. I was more hopeful okay. for that movie. Then. Yeah. So, yeah. so Larry did not straight up hate it, which is a win. No, and, you know, and I, I would say it was watchable. Yeah. It was watchable. I think calling it just watchable is well below the description I'd use. I feel like it's doing a bit of a disservice, but um, I do agree that there were a few things that held the movie back, kept it from being one of Marvel's very best, but 
It was enough fun that I'm willing to overlook those faults. Yeah, it, it was fun. But yeah. And I'm a sucker for watching Thor and Hulk have a gladiator fight. That was really, really kick ass. I very much enjoyed it. But. Yeah, I, I give it a solid B plus, A minus. Around that range. Whereas if uh, I have, give it a B. You know, I think it tried a little too hard to be Guardians of the Galaxy, which. Fair. Uh, that it was not. Yeah, it was not Guardians. And it, I would never say that it was as good as the Guardians movie. Right. So when it's trying so hard to be that or to have that feel, yeah. That being said, they did a much better job riffing off Guardians of the Galaxy than Suicide Squad did. Well, they did. Fair they did do a better job. Than Suicide Squad did. Now, uh, but yeah, I feel like you could like kind of ad lib that sentence a lot. Blank did a much better job than Suicide Squad did at Blank. <laughs> Which, there's so many permutations of that. That would work pretty well. Well, but that makes me ask the question, is Suicide Squad a better love story than Twilight? No. Actually, no. This is one no, I don't think it is. <laughs> Suicide Squad did a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> I mean, it's so close, but Joker and Harley Quinn's whole... They're the only, like, love story I can think of in yeah. there. And no, wait, no, actually, there's the love story between um, Rick Flag and Rick Flag. Flag. Yeah. Which still now. The fact that I forgot about that is just like pretty telling. But no, no, see, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big proponent for the Twilight relationship, but at least that is not a... What, you have things against pedophilia, necrophilia, and bestiality? It's better than being with a psychopath who will beat the shit out of you. Yeah, Joker (laughs) and Harley are not a good relationship. People need to let that one go. They need to let that go. It's Stockholm Syndrome. That's what that is. I think I saw a thing where it's either like a comic they're doing or maybe a TV show or something like where like it's a... The whole thing is Harley post-Joker. Which, you know, good for them. They're doing a lot with that in the comics right now. Um, power to them, you know? Right. Because that was a real toxic relationship and too many people glorifying. Like, right. Uh, they they have a... It, it would be a tricky thing for them to do it right. Yeah. But if they did it right, they could make a really powerful, you know, anti-domestic uh, relation or abuse... Type message or now, which uh, she just had a character die in one of her books. I think uh, Red Tool. Oh, Red Tool. Their uh, their Deadpool ripoff. Well, I think uh, our no, no. It was it was either. It was one of her Harley's gang of Harley's or Red Tool. I can't remember which one. I don't actually read the book. I just know Red Tool from the cover and thought that it was funny. Yeah, so... I mean, as far as, I guess, poking fun at the competition goes. I mean, Harley's whole shtick is that she's DC's Deadpool now. Right. But... Speaking of Deadpool... Fox is now running with an idea where they're going to have a James Franco-led multiple-man movie, and they're going for an R rate. 
So they learned the wrong lesson from Deadpool. They did. We were talking a little bit about this before the podcast started. Our rating is a great idea for Deadpool. It's completely appropriate for the character, and I'm so thrilled that that movie was a success and paved the way for R-rated superhero movies. But not every superhero needs to have an R-rated movie. Well, here's my Superman. R-rated's not good for Batman and Superman. It is not. (laughs) I mean, my thought is if you don't try to keep it PG-13, yeah, and just let it go. Just let because. What does that I mean? Because when they try and keep it PG thirteen, they end up cutting some scenes out here and there. Well, look, like if and they, if they're just going for a soft R or really hard PG thirteen, hard R was the actual description they used. So that's yeah. It's like okay, R rating for Wolverine, fine. R rating for Deadpool, great idea. R rating for Multiple Man, that's stupid. He's not an R rated character. No. I wouldn't want there to be an R-rated Captain America. I wouldn't want there to be an R-rated Superman, which I guess kind of pans out with why most so many people don't like BVS. But well, and here's the question: uh, Is it going to be multiple man causing the R-rating? Is it going to be a villain, or is Deadpool going to show up? The fact that they said hard R makes me think that it's going to be a very raunchy affair. Not just like an isolated scene here or there where the well, villain does Also, something the terrible. fact that it's starring James Franco leads me to believe it'll be a raunchy affair. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Multiple men. Well, back. Who's the guy? Uh, it was Peter David, right? Writing the character back in Forever Ago. Oh. Most likely. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, I could try to probably throw, like, Peter David or Chris Claremont. It's, like, yeah. it's one of the two. It was Peter David, but, um... The character did get somewhat of a bump in its, like, rep factor. There was this one story arc where, like, he sends out all of his dupes to, uh... live out different lives, and they all come back together at the end. <laughs> like, have, like, kind of a metaphysical experience, I guess. Um, I guess they would probably do the X-Factor angle with this movie. I guess. But... So, Multiple Man is a... Well, he's a obscure enough character that the average moviegoer won't have a clue who he is. Yeah, that's true. Now, so... uh, They don't have to worry about now a Batman versus Superman situation where people are going to be mad that they go a different way with the character. Uh, other than you know the diehard comic book fans, uh, and really, how many diehard multiple man fans do, do you at least run into? one? His name is Gomer. Fair enough. He is a sentient afro. That is being that is sucking the life out of a twig of a human being. Uh, he's a multiple man fanatic. But yeah. He's the only one I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, Gomer doesn't technically count as a person, but again, he's a sentient afro. He's a creature that can spend money at the movie theater for this movie. Oh, he won't spend money at the movie theater. Yeah, I don't think he even counts uh, in their calculations. We were fools for everything, and Gomer could count at anything. Yeah. 
I wouldn't consider him part of the movie-going population. No, definitely not. I I, I barely consider him part of the comic-buying population. Yeah, he gets his $10. No, yeah. Well, you know, he has kids, so he has his budget. Exactly. So, I expect him spending his money on his kids. Or at least that's his excuse. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be terribly surprised to hear that that's not, in fact, what's going on. But you know, whatever. Like, I'm I wouldn't be surprised to find out that the poor Gomer clan was like living a meager subsistence while he was blowing money on something untoward. Not accusing him of doing that, but I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised. So. Uh, speaking of blowing money on something, uh, you know, somebody filled out one of our wish lists and they didn't sign their name, uh-huh. but they just filled it and left it on the counter, <laughs> and all they filled out was cocaine and hookers. <laughs> oh, so it was Gomer. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so are you going to get in a supply of cocaine and hookers to appease your customer? Oh, yeah. Do well, the, yeah. the, the, the people who buy get a 20% discount? <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, you know, we got the Christmas wish list back. If uh, you know any of you are in town and want some of your relatives to buy you geeky or nerdy gifts or... Whatever, it's a good way to do that. Yeah. But uh, also, seeing how I'm segueing into Christmas stuff, I was going to say we have a special guest this Christmas. December 23rd, we'll be having Guy Gilchrist doing a signing, uh, raising funds for Second Harvest Food Bank, and a room at the inn. Well. That's both, both cool and noble. Both worthy yeah. charities. Yeah, he will uh, also be selling some original art and doing sketches and stuff like that. And for those unfamiliar with the name, he was the original Henson illustrator, uh, co-creator of the Muppet Babies, uh, the lead animator for Nickelodeon's '80s Teenage Mutant Turtles. Did some Tom and Jerry. Uh, I think he did Pink Panther, uh, some Sesame Street, all kinds of characters, uh, and of course, you know, the Muppets, Fraggle Rock, you know, tons and tons of stuff, you know, and we can't forget Nancy. And also, uh... It's actually the first place I think of when I think of Guy Gilchrist is the... And he's been doing, uh, Nancy for... For quite some time, time now. immemorial. Now, uh, yeah, of course, I can probably look up when it actually is. But uh, he is the uh, Nancy is not the original character in Nancy, the Nancy comic strip. Because originally, Nancy's aunt was the original. Uh, Fritzy, I think her name was. Yeah, Fritzy uh, was the original start of the comic strip. And then at some point she became the aunt and Nancy came along or whatever. But uh, she like got a, booted out of her own strip. Was there like a transition phase where it was like Fritzy and Nancy for a while? I, I, th- I think I think so, but I think as like when the original artist died, then it became Nancy. Another comic then, strip where something somewhat similar happened was uh, the Blondie comic strip. It's still called Blondie, but... 
for a very long time now it's been more about the husband character that yeah. Would. yeah but that wasn't really a generational thing Blondie's been around for a damn long time no but Blondie switching over to Dagwood yeah yeah wasn't like oh and here's the next generation of the characters oh you're right it's not, but, a, it's not pretty, the exact same thing but it is still a case yeah. of like a character kind of getting upstaged in their own strength yeah um you know, he's kind of a, a proto Homer Simpson. Yeah, you know, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Not quite as fat. Doesn't uh, eat as many donuts. No. Well, he gets a lot more variety. A lot he more. Does. A lot more veggies on the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> veggies than just a, a stack of donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But. Um, so that's a good cause, and also I know he's giving a discount to anybody who brings non-perishable foods. Um, you know, oh, so on also a posters food, and yeah, yep. So uh, that'll happen. He'll be here from ten a.m. to two thirty uh, Saturday, December twenty-third, and this will be his exclusive Nashville event uh, for the holiday season now so oh, cool beans uh, now he had uh, another another stop in the area cancel uh, now a, a charity event and he still wanted to do something and I had the pleasure of meeting him at a convention and he happened to have my card he's like hey do you mind hosting uh, this thing and I'm like I would love to uh, so cool guy yeah, uh, and because normally to host a signing, you have to to pay a large portion of money, especially like his normal rate uh, is up there. I think with Tom King's normal rate, you know, for a convention, not Scott Snyder or Frank Miller, because those guys are even more insane. But let's say we're talking about their new talent. Isn't that yeah. Neil Gaiman like? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. They're like the hot new names of God. Yeah. <laughs> One day they may make it. Uh, but, um, be somebody. But doesn't Neil Gaiman charge like twenty grand or something? Something ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I guess it's a charity. I hear, but still, it's so people don't try to get him to show. Well, right. Uh, yeah, apparently that is his rationale. Is that um, he's only going to show up if it's an insanely large amount of money because, according to him, he needs to be working instead of doing this shit. Well, yeah, and uh, also, uh, I hear he was doing anime on uh, Dolly Parton is coming out with a series of children, like a children's album. Really? Yeah. Uh, And he was the character designer for the children's uh, album music videos and stuff. That is a thing. Yeah, so... So, definitely thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, now, before we got to the final thoughts portion, did you have any final thoughts? Well, it was going to be about the guy who played Gomer Pyle dying, but he already... And his illustrious that. singing career. Did he have an illustrious singing career? Yeah. I honestly don't know anything about him. Other than uh, Jim uh, Neighbors. Right. Yeah, he... Well... Gomer Pyle sung in the various shows now, uh, but he did launch a uh, musical career out of that. 
Wow. Good for him. Okay. Wow. I think I saw that somebody else died recently. Can't think of who it was at the moment. Oh well. Okay, well, I've changed my final thought. A book I've been reading, it was going by the name Hi-Fi Fight Club, has apparently <laughs> changed its name to Heavy Vinyl with issue number four. And I was not aware the change was coming, and I am curious as to why they changed it. But, you know, it seems like the creative team is still the same, and it's continuing. It's in the middle of a story arc right now, which well, is going on interrupted. But I'm just perplexed by the Hi-Fi uh, and Fight Club are two different movies. Were they worried about some? Was there some sort of well? What's the term? Um, litigation taking place? I don't know, but you know that did happen uh, with what tooth uh, tooth and claw. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was that was already turned into the autumn lands. Yeah, t- that name was already taken by some other property. And a cease and desist, then it became Autumn Lands, Tooth and Claw, then just Autumn Lands. Yeah, so. Well, whatever. Speaking of that book, I need to catch up on that book at some point. Which one? Tooth and Claw? Yeah, I remember I got the first trade in that. I remember enjoying it. Okay. I haven't gotten the rest. You know, a trade I need to get caught up on is uh, Silver Surfer and also. Um, Lazarus. Lazarus. It's been, I think, a few years since I picked Lazarus is a very quality book, but it is also a book that I completely forget exists at times. I think there was a gap there where they there was a, there was a little bit of Greg Rucka does that. He like leaves up. He takes hiatuses. He did that with Black Magic, I remember. Which soon that should have a second trade out. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'd rather uh, an author. Now take a gap and uh, come out with quality than just yeah, well, that's consistent true. filler. And in the long run, yeah, you can see how you get a better product out of that. But Adam brings up a good point. If I forget that it comes out, you know, over a year between trades is a long time. It is, but it's not unheard of. It's not. A lot of the image books are like that. They'll come out with one trade a year because... Just because the uh, rest of the year they're going to work for Marvel and making making more money yep. working for Marvel or DC than publishing their own stuff. I guess I can't fault them for that. So. How the hell does Hickman write so much? Like, well, then but he can't. doesn't though. That's the thing. Like, like he has like five books, but they barely come out. Yeah, I guess I just. Yeah, called for about his Shield book, which it's been like what, like five years since then, and they never finished it. No. Well, and maybe maybe he likes to write a lot of splash pages, no. and then we'll open up to a beautiful scene that somebody else will figure out. Yeah, then we'll have this, and oh <laughs> uh, well. Hey, so you got a final thought on him? Um, Doomsday Clock came out last week. Yeah, what'd you think? I thought it was alright. I thought it was alright. 
it seemed to me that they were fucking around with Watchmen, though. Well, most of the, the most of the issue was Watchmen. It was uh, Jeff Johns just picking up the loose threads that were left behind on Watchmen, which I know you hate. <laughs> I do. I explicitly hate that. The loose threads are part of it. That's kind of the point. And if anyone's going to come in 20 years later and pick up those loose threads, well, it should be Alan Moore, which he would never do because he clearly has no intention of doing it. Well, nothing's sacred in comics, yeah. so they made a sequel to Watchmen. Jeff Johns picked up those loose threads. It wasn't half bad. Not too much happened in the book, but it set a good tone. And it's too early to say whether or not this event will actually be good. But right now, it doesn't offend me in any way, shape, or form like Secret Empire did. And you could tell looking okay, through well, it, they, I'm glad they, they, they obviously put a lot of care into this book. That's okay. They tried I'm glad really hard to stick to the nine panel, yeah. even though they didn't succeed on I every page. sometimes... Well, even uh, Dave Gibbons didn't succeed on every page in Watchmen. No. But um, I think sometimes... You can approach something with the greatest care, with the best of intentions, and it's still a bad idea. Until I'm proven otherwise, I'm not going to. I'm not going to dissuade anyone else from picking it up, of course. But I'm not going to pick it up myself. Well, I don't like the. You idea. know what they say: this will shorten the war and save fifty million lives. Two thousand points worth. What? Two thousand points of old summoning stuff. I'd sign the bomb. Okay, I didn't realize that's the correct one of his, but okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that they did stop short of something as offensive as turning Captain America into a Nazi, though. So that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, they didn't do that. Something comparable to that. <laughs> what would be the DC equivalent of that? I guess just Superman being a Nazi, I guess. Well, he was already a Russian, but that was a Nazi. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, commie hmm. Superman. Yeah. Um. I'm actually having a hard time because even that's not quite the same because Superman wasn't like you know debuting punching Hitler in the face. Right. Although he was also created by two Jewish writers, so that whole stink would still be in place. I don't know. I mean, we've seen Superman before, but it's always like alternate reality evil Superman. He he was now, you know, the character itself created to be the anti-Aryan Superman Mm -hmm. propaganda. Well, see, I think I think DC will be able to get away with stuff like that better than Marvel because DC has always been the more fanciful of the two lines. Marvel itself has tried. You know, throughout the years, to establish itself as the the quote unquote like real world superhero, yeah, they definitely don't fuck around with alternate realities to the degree that DC does. Right, and you know, none of the DC characters are named after a country. You know, they're not. I don't know. Yeah. They are the ones with a character called Captain Nazi, though. I didn't know about Captain Nazi. Captain Nazi's a real thing. (laughs) Well, okay. So it's Captain Carrot. DC does 
DC <laughs> does have a character called Uncle Sam, who is yeah, <laughs> yeah, but nobody gives a fuck about Uncle nobody Sam. gives a fuck about Uncle Sam. He's a joke character. Which, well, and then you know, Marvel has the America there, but like clearly he's not the icon that Captain America is. <laughs> also, incidentally, I picked up that Mark Wade. Um, uh, Chris and the uh, Captain America book a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They're playing it as though like Captain America was this like obscure person from World War II that no one would have recognized. Really? Yeah. Like apparently they were playing the angle that you would have had to have been a real World War II history buff to know who Captain America was. And since fucking when? I mean, they've always played it as though Captain America was like this emblematic person from like the Marvel universe. Captain past. America won World War Two single handedly. I mean, effectively. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was kind of a weird direction for them to take. Of course, now in the modern Marvel universe, everyone knows who he is because you know he saved the world five billion times. But right. Um, I just thought it was an odd little wrinkle to throw in there that in the interim between him being frozen and him well, waking up again. it makes no sense because Captain America was created to be the poster child yeah. of World War Two. I just so I can maybe see it if they played it where like kids don't necessarily like, appreciate Captain America was but then to not know who he was that just seems odd. Well I mean you could play it as like because the you know Captain America versus the and you know, character of Uncle Sam by war bonds and stuff like that. You know, uh, I would, but I wouldn't say you have to be a history buff or a World War Two buff to recognize that kind of figure. Yeah. You know, or I mean, to recognize General Patton or yeah, or if you, you want know, to like do like the kind of like poster boy aspect yeah. of it, I feel like almost anyone will recognize Rosie the Riveter. Right. Right. Yeah. Even if you don't know her name, yeah, you know the image. Yeah, that's one of the most iconic, iconic images like ever in anything. Like whole, like you know, we can do it. Like, mm-hmm. One of the most imitated poses of all time, I would say. It's up there with Uncle Sam, you know, pointing oh, yeah. at the yeah. viewer. So, you got a final thought, Larry? Well, uh, I would like to thank all the people that came out Black Friday weekend. We had a, a great Black Friday weekend and all the specials and sales. Did well. Uh, it's shaping out to be a strong uh, Christmas shopping season for us, which is good for the store because the store's been kind of down a little during the summer. But uh, we're still, you know, still up for the. For the year, and apparently uh, that was true in a lot of uh, retail outlets. Uh, Black Friday was up, like I think they were saying, like seventeen percent or something off of last year, just for retailers yeah. on average. Um, Black Friday for us was up just over twenty five percent. Now, Small Business Saturday was more than doubled. It's cool that you get to count for both of those things. Yeah. Uh, so, I like a lot of small business. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Did you rake yeah. in a lot of Cyber Monday savings? Uh, not so much. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, we're doing that next year. <laughs> Got to get your cyber game out there. Uh, but, you know, we carried our specials on through uh, that, that Sunday, and even the Sunday was up, you know, 25% over. Cool. So, uh, 
You should run a Cyber Monday special, except you actually have to come to the shop, look at your product. Cyber Monday. <laughs> hey, online, download this map to come to the store. <laughs> Uh, if I would have thought about it, I would have like tweeted some secret code or something. It's free Man. delivery after you come and pick it up. <laughs> free delivery, pay in store. <laughs> free handling, like as you like move it from the box to the shipping and handling. Uh, well, and you know. When I'm, I, I know I, I've spent a lot of time remodeling, and I was really thinking I wasn't going to do much of that next year, but Kmarts are going out of business left and right. And Is, Are there any Kmarts are going to be around this time next year? Uh, are they, like, closing? Well, there still most of them are closed. The uh, one in Goodlesville is staying open. Okay. Really? Uh, yeah. There's two of them I know are definitely going to stay open. I know there's that one over near where I used to live in Madison when I was a kid. And, I'm, and that's that gone. one's closed. Yeah. That one closed last quarter. The one over yeah. by the airport is closing this quarter. I don't even know about the one over near the airport. It's uh, right off of 40 and Donaldson or Donaldson Pike, I think. Oh, fat lot of good. That information does me now, Larry. Um... <laughs> uh, and then there's one like in Franklin or somewhere. I think that's going to stay open. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm excited. I uh, might be uh, buying a bunch of their their old fixtures and stuff. Might look like a real store. Oh man, <laughs> that's getting dangerous. all ritzy up on us here. That's right? yeah. dangerous. Well, the Kmart fixtures, so not that ritzy. <laughs> You're getting holiday any on us here. Larry. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, I mean, I know that's uh, totally not exciting to anybody listening to the podcast, with the possible exception of Henson and Red Shirt Steve. Uh, Yeah, but uh, we've also we just wrapped up our Blood Bowl league. Now, which is the original fantasy football, and I, I say fantasy football, whereas it takes place in a fantasy land. And there's orcs and goblins. That doesn't like orcs. a much cooler version of fantasy football. Yeah, I would say. Uh, not just a sheer stats number game. Uh, I think it's funny how like there's much more number crunching in fantasy football than there is in something like even D and D. Right. <laughs> like, of the two, I would honestly say fantasy football is the nerdier pastime. Uh, to do it right, I mean, to make the big money, you oh, yeah, the, almost have to be a st- statistician. Oh, yeah. The people who go on, like, um, DraftKings or whatever, these are, like, elitely educated algorithm makers who are the ones who are actually sweeping up all the money. They, right. they like advertise themselves as like, you know, average Joe sports fan goes on there and he gets paid to watch football, which is horseshit. That's not a viable business model, but the average winnings are thrown way the hell up by these guys who have yeah. the really sophisticated computer number crunching algorithms who and, and while a ton of money. technically the average Joe could win, but on average consistently he's not going to, yeah. Right? It's gonna be, you know, people who study weather patterns and uh, you know, study all yeah, kinds of stats. A lot of them are dudes years who are former like um, Wall Street traders who like parlayed that into effectively gambling for a living. 
Speaking of Wall Street traders, uh, so Alpha Investments, the Wall Street trader who parlayed into buying and selling magic cards, uh, you know, he noticed uh, Mark Rosewater, who's been the head of R&D for past 20 years of Magic the Gathering, he said something about having over 12 million active Magic players yeah, blah, blah, blah. On uh, one of his, his blogs. Uh, well, three years ago, he'd said something about having over 21 million active Magic players. So they're like, what? Over a 40% drop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's that's not good. So a lot of people, he, he's like, why don't we have these numbers? So he went back and looked up every time he'd referenced how many magic players you know and we just had a we've apparently had a big drop in the number of active magic players which uh, you can kind of tell and I think it's a lot because of the way they keep cranking out product and stuff like that but yeah. it's uh it's hard to stay invested in current magic because they, they, they crank them out so fast well, and it's one of those things I tell people uh, who are trying to, to make money and magic. I'm like, eh, that's not a good idea. If you want to invest in it, invest in it because it's something you love. Right. It's the same thing I tell people when it comes to comics. Buy comics you love. Buy magic cards you want that you'll enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would never want to buy a comic where I'm not even going to read it one time. You know? Like something I'd be too afraid to tear and damage, like buying like a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15 or something. That'd be really kick-ass out on my shelf, but I would feel like I was being kind of... Like Flash 123. Yeah. Or like that first appearance of Doctor Doom over there. Those are all things where I'd be terrified to take them out of the package, and that feels like it would be going against everything well, that I feel that about it. The uh, first uh, appearance of Doctor Doom already has a huge rip in the cover. I mean, oh, well, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why it's so economical. <laughs> that's why it's only $1,200. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, if it didn't have that rip in the cover, you know, there'd be another zero. <laughs> well, that would be... So that is technically the reader copy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I flipped through it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Very carefully. With like... Uh, I licked my fingers. With like gloved hands and tongs. Uh, and I was eating and chips and licked my fingers. Cheetos. Used it to wipe my mouth as I was done. <laughs> there may be a little little smear of chocolate in between the third and fourth page. How they're stuck together, but uh, it's okay. Whoever I sell it to is never going to open it, so yeah, it's good. <laughs> so you stopped recording, right? No, no I didn't. <laughs> well, and uh, I actually did used to when I first. I was so nervous about handling books. I did have uh, film gloves that I'd wear. Uh, ironically, you know, I'd wear those before I got ever had somebody bring in thousand dollar books. You know, now it's just okay. My hands are dry, clean surface, and have a little cloth or whatever I lay out and look at it. But 
Anyway, that's enough for my final thought ramblings. And for the record, there is no Cheeto stains on that book, nor chocolate, nor did I use it to wipe anything. That you need to know about. <laughs> yeah. Don't ruin his business. <laughs> but, um, hope everybody did have a happy Thanksgiving or. Uh, I guess we'll uh, see you next time. Uh, same geek channel, same geek time. Come find us at comicsc2.com uh, or facebook.com slash comicsc2. You're like you're just like fading into the background. Yeah. Are, we, are we slowly fading out? Fade the black. Which we're an audio only thing, so that doesn't make a lot of sense, but still. But it's, it's still considered to fade out. Yeah, no,